He's like, hey, you're in a season of play. And I'm like, play? I follow Jeremiah Johnson and Todd White. And so I'm like, how could I play when these guys are, are like setting their lives apart, set apart as holy for you? I want to be, be rich in heaven, right? I, I want to have rewards. I want to be rich, not because I want to be rich, but the more rich I am in heaven, then the closer I am to the Father. So I'm like, I want to be rich because I want to be close to you. Dude, you're going to call me to play when they're out there doing all this crazy stuff? Like, dude, you're calling me to be poor in your kingdom? And, but God is like, no, 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 no. Right? Who cares what I'm calling them to do? Right? Just care about what I'm calling you to do. Because on judgment day, you're not going to be judged by your scope of ministry. You're going to be judged by your faithfulness to me. And so if I'm calling you to play, but you don't play, you're being unfaithful. Can you believe that? So I've been anointed to play. I have been anointed to play. That is so crazy. And I'm just sharing that right now because we're going to destroy this religious spirit, right? We're going to destroy this, right? It's not about that. It's not about that stuff. If God called me to play, yet I continue to hotly pursue, my priority is to lead the lost, right? Even though he called me to play, even if I bring a million people to Christ in this, in this season, I would have failed in the eyes of God because he called me to play. It's crazy. Anyways, hopefully you guys are there at Exodus 33 now. Exodus 33, verse 12. And we're going to read all the way to the end of the, actually not to the end of the chapter. We're going to read all the way till verse 18. And so Exodus chapter 33, verse 12. This is the word of God. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people. I'm reading out of the ESV, by the way, so. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name. And you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And God said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Please, show me your glory. Amen. What's the whole point of being a Christian? What makes a Christian distinct from any other person in this life? Because I'm going to tell you, it's not good works. Right? Everyone does. Everyone does good works. I think we do it better. But everyone does good works, right? Everyone does good works. Everyone serves. That's not what it means to be a Christian. The thing that makes a Christian distinct out of any other people group is really the presence of God. When you read the Old Testament, you know all the parts that you hate? You know, I hate reading Leviticus. I hate reading Numbers. I hate reading the second half of Exodus, right? <laughs> like, because it's all about tabernacle, temple, laws. But did you know that to the Jews... This was the, the, the highlight, the, the, the most prized 
parts of the Old Testament. Because the tabernacle stuff, the, the, the last half of Exodus that all of us want to skip, right? Oh, it's so boring. Who cares, right? That part, that was God showing his people, hey, you can now be with me. My presence can now be with you. Leviticus is all laws and how to be in God's presence, how to navigate God's presence, how to enter into God's presence. So to the Jews, dude, that Levitical law was amazing. It was a gift because before they, they couldn't be in the presence of God. But now we're in the new covenant. And in this new covenant, right, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul, he makes a distinction between the old covenant and the new covenant. <laughs> and he says the new covenant is of way more glory. And I wrestled with this like crazy because I was like, what? He's like, the glory of the old covenant where Moses' sh face shone, right? Like he, his face was like, was like shining in front of people, like literally, like, oh, like he's like a flashlight to these people. And everyone's like, whoa, like, I don't, what's up with this guy? I don't want to be friends with him. And so Moses would have to wear a veil over his face to hide the glory of God that was shining out of him. He said, though, the new covenant, the covenant that we're living in is greater than that. And I was like, what? My face doesn't shine like that. I feel like if my face, if my face was shining like that, everyone would know that God was with me, right? But how come, how come Paul can say that his presence was, or his, his glory was, is better now in this new covenant than the old covenant? And it's all because now Moses, he had to enter into the tabernacle to receive the glory of God, to be in the presence of God. But now in, people in the new covenant, <laughs> we get to be in the presence of God everywhere. When, when Jesus met the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, he said, hey, no longer will people be worshiping on this mountain or in Jerusalem or in the temple. All of that is going to be gone because in the new covenant, people can just worship anywhere they want because the presence of God is everywhere. What makes a Christian distinct and unique from any other people group? It's really the presence of God. If we miss that, then we miss everything, actually. If we miss how important the presence of God is in our lives, who cares? All of this becomes religious. All of this just becomes like, okay, I mean, what does a Christian do? A Christian reads his Bible. What does a Christian do? A Christian prays. What does a Christian do? A Christian goes to Sunday services. What does a Christian do? He serves people. No, 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 no. That's not what we do. What a Christian does, a Christian is someone who houses the presence of God. It's not all this stuff. Praying, reading the word, going to Sunday services, all of that is a means through which we want to come into the presence of God. If the ends is, I'm just going to read my Bible, once I read my Bible, I'm good. That's how you know you're dealing with a religious spirit. Oh, I'm just going to hit, I'm just going to wellspring and then I'll be good. That's how you know you're operating in the religious spirit. <laughs> oh, I'm just, I'm just going to evangelize for an hour. That's how you know you're, gonna, you're operating in the, in the religious spirit. All right. It's not about that stuff. It really isn't. It's all about the presence of God, reading the Bible, going to Sunday services, praying. Evan even evangelism is all about encountering God in the midst of that. 
this past month and a half has been so hard for me, if I can be real, right? Before the season of play, it was God led me into a season of helplessness where I felt like I was the worst, right? I felt like, I felt like, man, I am the worst human being ever, right? I'm the biggest loser. Why the heck am I leading? You know, like, I'm so messed up. I'm so broken, right? I literally felt like the chief of sinners. Maybe some of you guys feel like that too. But when God was leading me through that season, (laughs) it didn't matter how much I read the Bible. It didn't matter how much I prayed. It didn't matter how much I served or came out to these things. You know, the only thing I wanted in all of that, I just wanted to meet my father. And I was in a place where I wasn't even sure, how do I know if God, if I'm really saved? And maybe you guys asked that too. How do I know that the word of God applies to me? Maybe you guys think that too. Yeah, it it looks like it applies to the pastor up there. It looks like it applies to that guy. It looks like it applies to that guy. Does it really apply to me? Like when Jesus says, I love you, is he saying that to me? Or is he saying that to someone else? When he says, I have plans for you to make you prosperous, is that really for me? Is that really for me? I wrestled with that. I even, even when I was walking through Biola, just walking, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve, so, you know, if I'm depressed, I'm depressed, right? <laughs> so I'm just walking, and um, I think her name was Megan, and she's just, she's a girl that's on the electric wheelchair just driving us, she, and I was like, I was literally like, God, I don't even want to pray. I literally said this, God, I don't want to pray, so send someone to pray for me. I think her name was Megan. But she had an electric wheelchair. She just comes up to me. She's like, hey, can I pray for you? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> she prayed for me, and she just really encouraged me, right? <laughs> and I was like, how do you, how do you know uh, how do you know if you're really a child of God? I felt like I was. I was so confident the, the past two and a half years. But how do I know if I'm a child of God? And she's like, you just have to have faith. And then I was like, <laughs> because there's no other way around it. For real, there is, there is no other way around it. You just have to believe that, that the word applies to you. And I was just like, you're right. <laughs> Why am I so depressed? Jeez. But check this. Look what, look what Moses says right here. says, now, therefore, if, even he wasn't sure. He said, now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways. Show me your ways. Why? That I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. I think Moses was wrestling with this, too. How do, I, how do we know if we're really your people? If I found favor in your sight. If I really am a friend of God, if I really am a child of God, (laughs) show me your ways so that I can obey you and so that I might find favor in your sight. Really, really, so I can be assured and confident in it. God doesn't show us his ways and he, he doesn't ask us to obey his commandments so that he can get work done on the earth. 
He doesn't need us. He doesn't need you to, to do what he needs to do. He doesn't. But he gives us his commandments. Why? John chapter 15. He says, I've given you my commandments so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Right? John, 1 John chapter 5, he says, and we ought to obey God's commandments, but we know that God's commandments are not burdensome. Right? They are not burdensome. I feel like we wrestle with this all the time. Dude. And so coming out of that season, all I came to cherish and realize is it's really all about the presence of God. It doesn't matter everything else. It really doesn't. <laughs> right? I remember, you know that song where it's like, I'm a lover of your presence, and that's all I want to be. When I first heard that song, I was like, I hate that song. Right? Because I was like, I want to be more than a lover of your presence. I didn't understand what that meant. Right? I was like, I want to be more. I want, I, want, I want this whole nation to be saved. Right? Like I had just this, mm, I want everyone to be saved. Right? Everyone around me to be saved. It's good, but it's not why we were created. Yeah. Right? We weren't created for any of that. The only, we were created for God's good pleasure to just be in his presence. And so now coming out of that season, understanding like, I'm a lover of your presence and that's all I want to be, that's the truth. End of sentence, period. All right, what's the right answer on multiple choice? That one, right? There is no other answer. There is no other reason and purpose other than being in the presence of God. Who cares how much Bible you know if you're not in the presence? Who cares how much you lead worship, although you guys are so awesome, right? If you're not in the presence. Because then what? We're just singing songs. Right? Who cares if you're reading the Bible? Because then what? You're just getting more knowledge. Right? Who cares if you're praying more? Because then what? You're just getting more spiritually, spiritually prideful. Right? <laughs> That's the truth. Because you feel good after. You're like, yeah, I, I pray way more than ever. I just feel like, oh, I feel so loved by God because I'm praying. That's not, that's not the thing, right? All of this is a means into which we come into the presence of God, right? Who cares how many people I led to Christ? Who cares, man? That's, that's between them and Jesus. It's not between me and Jesus, right? And so you know, what's, you know what's so cool, man? When you start to live in this, in the presence of God, <laughs> nothing, nothing else matters, man. Right? <laughs> nothing else. I'm not saying that I stopped doing everything. But what I mean is, like, in my heart, man, truly, when you set your mind on the spirit, there's life and peace. When you set your mind on the flesh, it's death and destruction. <laughs> oh, my. Dude. <laughs> really? Really it is. Right? This promise is for you guys. You know when God created the earth? He created it in seven days. And I believe that that's in the ancient Near East, right? I was taught this in seminary. Yeah, seminary. In the ancient Near East, seven days, seven days of, of it took seven days to describe temple, uh, the creation of a temple. So I believe that the Genesis account, it could be, I mean, I, I believe it's true, but I believe the way that I see it is, is God creating his temple. And you know what's the last thing that people put in their temple? The image of their deity. That's why on the last day of creation, what was the last thing created? 
the image of God. You're the image of God. Did you know that? And what, what does the image of God, what was the statue of, Ar, of Artemis supposed to symbolize? It was supposed to symbolize the presence of Artemis. What are you and I supposed to symbolize? The presence of God. That's the only reason why we're here. What was Adam and Eve's mandate? To be fruitful and multiply, to expand the presence of God across the rest, starting from the Holy of Holies, which was Eden, and to spread it across the earth. You were always meant to be an image of God. You were always meant to house the presence of God. And when you come to understand that, guess what, dude? For me, I have a, you guys know, I have a passion for evangelism. But when you, when you do evangelism in the presence of God, guess what, man? You don't care about nothing. You just, hey, man, I just want to bless you. I just want to love you. I'm just so full of God's presence. And then what happens is, man, you just live in that faith, and you live in the presence, and you see that person, and you see, you see the Father working, actually. You can, you can see it, and then you're just like, hey, do you want to encounter Jesus today? And they're like, what? And you're like, yeah, hey, let me pray for you. You pray for them, and they encounter Jesus. And it's not that I'm anything special. It's just that we just have to operate in the presence of God. We, sometimes we look at evangelism where we look at all of these things that we're doing in, in them of themselves, right? No, but it's all about the presence. It really is. And that's the only way that we know that we're children of God, right? That's the only way. For how shall it be known, in verse 16, that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us? Is it not your presence? (laughs) So that we are distinct. So that we are different from everyone. I and your people. From every other people on the face of the earth. Moses got it. That's why... When he died, God called him a friend of God. I want to be a friend of God. But he got it. He got it. That's why when people read, whose favorite hero in the Bible is Enoch? Almost no one's because they're like, all he did was walk with God, right? (laughs) He's my favorite, right? I'm like, dang, dude. That's it. Man, you read Enoch's story, and you know what that story is all about? It's about breaking the religious spirit. (laughs) What did Enoch do? I don't know. He walked with God. What? Yeah, and then God loved him so much that he didn't see death at all. He's just like, I want you, man. Out of the earth, into my heaven, right? That's crazy. Dude, what the heck? There's no one else who's been like Enoch. I wonder, dude, that guy must be sitting on the father's lap or something. You know what I'm saying? What the heck? It breaks every religious spirit. We read Moses because, like, oh, I want to I do miracles, and I want to lead people into salvation. Or we read Paul, oh, man, I want to do missions, and I want to go, uh. you see Peter, like, I want, I want my shadow to heal people. Go, right? Like, you think of all these things, but then you read Enoch, and you're like, yeah, yeah, he's kind of cool. But Paul, right? Paul is so amazing, right? But dude, it's really all about that. Walking with God. It breaks everything. What makes you and I distinct from any other person? It's God's presence. Todd White, he always says, I want to live a life 
who I'm so in love with Jesus that it makes the non-believers jealous of my life. You know, that was always, I think that was always what we were supposed to do. I think Israel was supposed to live a life that was so amazing in Christ, in God, that people are like, I want to be a Jew. But instead, they were like, I don't, I don't want to be a Jew. You got to get circumcised. You got to, you know, I, these guys are like some of the most racist people back in the day. But everyone was racist, right? Everyone's, everyone was racist. But people are like, I don't want, what the heck? Right? I, I think it's the same. It's the same for us. What are we called to do? We're called to woo back Israel. How are we going to woo him back? Because our life is going to be so great. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life abundantly. And it's all about abiding in God's presence. The cool thing about abide is it means that it's already been given. You just have to remain in it. You already have the presence of God. (laughs) You're already a child of God. (laughs) <laughs> you're already an image of God who has been redeemed and restored. If you're not, welcome. Maybe today you're going to be someone like that, right? But, dude, that's what it's all about, right? That's truly what it's all about. I don't have a flashy message today. Because guess what? Matthew 11, right? Jesus says, come to me all who are heavy laden, right? This is so amazing. This, you want to know God's heart? He says this. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. <sighs> He's gentle and lowly in heart, man. <laughs> He's not like, <sighs> In fact, he's like, hey, shut up. Don't tell anyone that I'm Christ. Right? <laughs> That's what he said, right? He's like, don't tell anyone that I'm Christ, okay? Just, just take your healing and just keep going. Because I'm gentle and lowly in heart. <sighs> I learned so much this past season. I suck. I'm a loser. But you know, in, in that, God was, in my secret place, God was like, no, you're not a loser. You don't suck. You're a child of God. And I was like, I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I'm like, I don't believe you. <laughs> but you know what changed my mind? It was when I was in his presence. I couldn't take it when someone else would tell me. I couldn't take it even when he was trying to tell me and I was trying to close my heart off from his presence. The only way that I came to understand that was when I was in his presence. It's in God's presence that there's healing. It's in God's presence that there is restoration and redemption. It's in God's presence that you can exchange your lies for truth. It's in God's presence that you can receive his love, that you can receive his joy. It's all about God's presence. When Peter walked, he didn't even try to heal the people around him. It's just that he was housing God's presence. And people were getting healed. Paul, he would just preach and he'd be unstoppable. People were trying to throw rocks and throw lions and throw bears at him. Throw whips. He's like, psh, psh, psh. But he can endure through it all. Because of the presence of God. He says in Philippians, I found a secret. I found a secret on, on everything, man. And when I'm high, I know how to be brought low. When I'm low, I know how to be brought high. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
It's not a good saying. It's, it's, it's reality, just living in God's presence. There's nothing like it. And I think even right now, I think hearing this for some of you guys, it's really breaking off a lot of stuff. Because this is not about a religion. <laughs> it's about his presence. There is nothing like God's presence. How do we seek God's presence? Good question. I don't know. I think we just have to ask. Because what does Moses do? He said, if I found favor in your sight, please show me your glory. (laughs) I don't think there's a secret formula or strategy on on this. Show me your glory. And that's it. It takes an honest heart, too. Sometimes our prayers don't get answered because we don't pray in honesty. Sometimes our prayers don't get answered because we're not praying in love, but we're praying we're praying in idealistic faith, or we're praying in we're praying for selfish motivations, right? How do you get your prayers answered? You pray in the presence of God. And the way that we enter into the presence of God is we just come with an honest heart. If you, man, my prayers was, God, I feel like I'm the biggest loser, so don't look at me, right? And he's like, well, I'm looking at you, right? But that's my prayer. God, I don't want you right now. I'm going to sit over here. But then he he just comes. (laughs) I mean, that was, I think we we just have to be honest with God. Be honest with him. He will come to you. I promise you. If you seek him with all your heart. And ask if, if you can see his glory. And then church. And then leading house church. And then going to your house of prayer. And then going to Wellspring. All of that becomes so easy. Right? Being a Christian is easy. Only if you're in the presence of God. Being a Christian is hard, and actually it's impossible if you don't have the presence of God. Who feels dry? And who feels dead? Who feels far from God? I'm going to just do something real quick before we transition into PCM. We're going to maybe do two altar calls today. Right? Cool. Okay. Who wants to meet God today? No, like I'm being, I'm like being for real. Because he's here. And he's breaking off chains. And he's doing what only he can do. And we're going to see something pretty cool. Can we have worship team just come up for like 10 minutes? Oh, can we have a guy on a guitar then? (laughs) Thank you, Kevin.
Yeah. So if you want to meet God today, I don't know if you feel far or whatever, dude, come up right here and we'll pray for you. I promise you, you will meet God. I promise. Come here. (laughs) And what's cool is this. Since all of us house the presence of God, I'm going to give permission just for this altar call, for everyone to come up and to pray for these people here. Whoever comes up, if you want to meet God, come up right now so that, dude, you will meet God. I promise you. I promise you. We're going to break off this religious spirit, right? You know, sometimes I love BTM because our culture is like pretty warfare culture, right? Yeah, it comes out wellsprings. We're like, yeah, save the nations, save the nations, fire, right? But you know what I noticed? For us in our culture, in this ministry, that warfare stuff is good, but that warfare stuff becomes religious to us. It's easy for us to step into that religious mode when we go into that then it comes to feel like I can't be in the presence of God if I'm not, on, if I'm not having this fiery service, if I'm, if I'm not having this fiery prayer. I think that's why today we're just going to come in real chill, real smooth. So. And so for the people who are up here today, God wants to meet you. Man, I tried to run away like crazy, but it was like, it was like the story of Jonah. He just threw everything at me, right? And if he's so faithful to me, I believe he's going to be faithful to you. We're going to break off every religious spirit right now. So I'm going to pray real quick, and I want everyone to join me in this prayer. People who are up front, I want you to also join me in this prayer, in the spirit. Just open your hearts to God. Jesus, Father, our Father, my Father, we come to you today wanting to come and meet you. God, we come to you today wanting nothing but you, God. We're breaking off, God, every chain. We're breaking off every spirit, religious spirit right now. We break you off from every heart in this community. And we cast you out in Jesus' name. And instead, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and you would fill our hearts, God. And that your presence would be made known and manifest. Holy Spirit, do not only come upon us, but be birthed within us. For those of us who are hungry and for those of us who are thirsty. For those of us who are longing, God, for the real thing, I pray, Father, that you would come and meet us today. We ask for your presence. So, people in the front, just keep praying. And, and people who are not up here, you all house the presence of God. I give you permission right now to come up and pray for all these people. And let's just, let's, the point of the prayer, when, if you are praying for someone, The point of the prayer is not to pray for them. The point of the prayer is that you would engage with God the Father through them and that the presence of God would come upon this person that you're praying for. You and this person, you're trying to lead this person into the presence of God. It's not about just praying for them. 
But God is here and right now, and you're introducing, you're inviting this person to be a friend of God. So, so let's pray.
do something a little different today. If we can get all the people who are up here on the front to just come right here and where Austin lies and to just circle around and if we can get all the ministry to just come around and just pray for these people. You guys have this house of presence of God. <laughs> There's such beauty and majesty 
when the body comes together. We cannot, we cannot do this on our own. We need each other. So if all of you guys in the front, if we can gather like penguins, like like penglings. I'm sitting. I'm sitting. I'm sitting. I'm sitting. So if you all gather here. And then if we can have everyone else just come up. I don't care if you're a believer or if you're not a believer. Even if you're not a believer, I don't care if you feel far from God or not. Everyone to come up here because we're a community of God. If you're here, you're part of our community. And if we could just lay our hands on the person in front of us. And for two minutes, on behalf of the people that are here in the middle, for two minutes, I want us to go in deep. I want us to go in hard, right? I want us to, if, as if this was your own child, or as if this was your own your own son, your own daughter, your own brother, your own sister by blood, that they were about to perish. That if they were sick, if they were dying, the people who came up here, they feel like there's something going on in their spirit. There's a cancer in their spirit. Let's pray and intercede for them. Let's just go real hard for them just for two minutes, yeah? So let's pray. So Jesus, we pray.
I want to know you, Lord. I want to know you, Lord. I want to know you, good service God we don't want just good teaching but we want you father and so God come and have your way in us show us your ways God that we might find favor in your sight we want to be known by you God we want to be a people distinct and set apart not because of the activities that we do but because of who we know we want your presence father Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done here in this place in every heart, God, whether they came up to the front or not, God, because I believe with all my heart, Father, that you did do something today, that you did break off chains, that you did change minds, that you brought a transference of the things in the spirit here into the physical, God, that you're changing things in people's hearts, and that, Father, you're raising up a generation, God, who are lovers of your presence. You're raising up a generation, God, who understands that revival is not about our events, that being a Christian is not about the activities that we do, but revival is about who we know and what we're living in. I pray, Jesus, that you would continue to have your way in this place, God. In all our hearts, we seal everything in the name of Jesus. We ask, God, for good soil to be covered over the seeds that were planted today. And we pray, Father, for the house of God to truly be built up in faith, hope, and love. We want spiritual realities to be here, God. So I thank you, Father. We love you so much. We pray this, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. Thank you, guys. So everyone could go back to their seats. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Little, little different today. But my dad always says, my real dad, my, bio, my biological dad, he always says this. He always says this. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result is insanity. He's quoting Albert Einstein. And he would say that to me every single day. And sometimes when we pray like, God, we don't want this to just be another service. If we're doing the same thing over and over again, it's insanity. Anyways. Amen. All right, so now we have Pastor Sam. <laughs> yeah. Can I get praise him up? I'm being dead serious, by the way. <laughs> um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna preach another sermon. So. For those of you who are like, man, I'm hungry, let's get out of here, don't worry. Um, <laughs> man, I was going to have this, okay, anyway, okay, anyway, um, this is what happened. Last night I was finishing, uh, you know, going over my sermon. I'm a high school pastor at TKC, if you don't know who I am, um, and Pastor Dennis texts me, he's like, bro, I threw up a ton. Do you have a word for tomorrow? <laughs> now, you got to understand, okay, I'm the kind of guy, like, I like to have eight-page notes, all right? Like, 
I write manuscript word for word what I'm going to say. That's just how I'm wired. And I, was, I remember I was, last night I was literally, I was at the table. I was praying. I was like, God, do I have a word? <laughs> I was like, God, do you have a word for me? And um, I actually briefly talked about it in the high school service today. But it was actually this uh, specific. I know this is for people in this room right now. Um, but he started to speak to me about anxiety, actually. And, um, and um, I, I, I just feel like God wants to deal with some anxiety today. So um, I'm going to share one story, and then I'm going to do a second altar call. <laughs> and then uh, we'll pray for you guys, and then, you know, we'll worship in the presence of God, and, uh, and we'll call it a day. Is that okay? All right, let me read this for you first. This is from Psalms 23, okay? A very, very famous passage we all know. It says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You could spend a whole lifetime with just that one verse. And it would be a full-time job. (laughs) The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not. Not want, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Amen. Um, You know, when I started to... You guys can play something nice if you want. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, this revelation of Jesus, right, he calls himself our good shepherd. That revelation to me, I think, is one of my life messages. Um, and uh, I remember when, I was, when God began to teach me more and more about this, um, I started to study, like, what does this mean? And this idea of, of Jesus being the good shepherd, right, and us being the sheep and so Actually, can we get the pictures ready? I do want to show that, okay? And so for us, uh, if you're Epic staff, you've already seen these, so don't spoil it for anyone, okay? Um, but um, I started looking at pictures. Okay, so if we're the sheep and Jesus is the shepherd, then the sheep, uh, I don't know if you've ever looked at one, but they look kind of like this. I don't know if the picture's ready, okay? Uh, I don't know if you realize, but sheep are very dumb, okay? Uh, I remember I heard this. I remember... Okay, don't go to the next one yet, okay? Uh, I don't know. I remember, hearing, I remember hearing this. You can go back to that one. Uh, I remember hearing this story about this herd of sheep, right? And uh, I don't know if you can notice, but sheep have one eye right here, and they have the other eye right here. So literally, what's right in front of them, they cannot see, okay? But that's kind of like us, right? <laughs> um, but that's why I love it, because Jesus says that he's a good shepherd. So we're not always supposed to know or see what's in front of us. We just have to follow his voice. I remember I was watching this video one time. I was like, uh, about, about how the sheep recognize the shepherd's voice, right? And they did a little test. There was like this field, like, you know, maybe one, 200 sheep in the field. And they had strangers go up to the fence and, and call the sheep, okay? And so one person would go up, nothing happens. Second person would go up, nothing happens. Third person goes up, nothing happens. And then the shepherd comes, right? And the shepherd comes, and then he calls out to the sheep. And you know what happens? The sheep, they're eating, okay? They're just chewing the grass. The moment the shepherd gives the call, you know what they do? They're eating, and they look this way. 
and all of them, their heads turn. And in about like five seconds, there's like a hundred sheep where the shepherd is. Remember I was watching this video, I was like about to cry. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so beautiful, right? Recognizing that Jesus is the good shepherd. And then coming back to Psalms 23, it says this, he makes me lie down in green pastures. I don't know about you, but when I think about green pastures, okay, this is what I think about. Can we go to the, right? I think about that. Or can we go to the next one? That's another green one, right? I don't know where that is, but I want to be there, okay? When I think about green pastures, I think about this. But did you actually know that when the psalmist was writing this, when David was writing this, a green pasture near Israel looked nothing like this? Okay, a green pasture in Israel, you know what it looked like? It looked like this. Next one. It looked like that. You're like, you're like, what? That makes no sense, right? Go to the next one. This is literally a shepherd near Israel leading the sheep through the green pasture. You're like, you're like Sam, I say Pastor Sam, but I'm just Sam today, okay? Like Sam, that makes no sense, right? All I see is brown, okay? Now go to the next one. No, now hear me on this. This is what happens. In a desert, there's not much water, right? And so what happens is the water from surrounding either the atmosphere or surrounding rivers or whatever, it will be caught up in the air. It'll find little crevices where there's a lot of rocks and the condensation will go down. And in those places, okay, are little sprouts of grass, okay? And so what does it mean when the shepherd takes his sheep to the green pasture? Okay? It means this. The shepherd leads them through places where step by step, moment by moment, they eat. They don't know where the next moment is. They don't know where the next grass is. They don't know where the next breakthrough is. They don't know where the next whatever you need is. Okay? But little by little, they eat. And then what do they have to do? They have to follow. And when they follow, the shepherd leads them to the next place. And the next place. Okay? I remember I learned this as it blew my mind away. Okay? Now, here's a story I feel like God wanted me to share. I remember I went through this season where I was literally depressed, okay? Like, out of my mind depressed, okay? Hopefully, some of us in the room will be bold enough to confess that today because I really do believe that God wants to heal you. But I remember for a long period of time, I would wake up in the morning and literally my first thought, the moment I woke up, God, where are you? And I would cry. I would wake up crying. Oh, man, I'm getting emotional thinking about it. I would wake up crying. And then you know how I would look at the rest of the day? God, just let me survive. And I just try to get, it, get through the day. And then I go home at night. I lay on my bed. And I would go to sleep asking the same question. God, where are you? I remember I would cry myself to sleep like consecutive nights in a row for a period of time. And I was going through that and honestly, I didn't know what to do. Like, and I, maybe some of you guys have experienced this too, not just uh, depression in that way, but anxiety, okay? Uh, I've had uh, uh, many panic attacks before where it's like sometimes it may feel hard to breathe or uh, you just you just kind of feel like paralyzed in some sense, okay? Uh, I know some of us have gone through stuff like that, but I remember in that season, all this is literally all I did. All I began to do was, God, I don't understand, 
But I said, God, I put my hope in you. God, I put my hope in you. And I would literally preach to my soul. Soul, put your hope in God. I wish I could say that when I prayed that prayer that I got like that crazy breakthrough and then it was all okay, but it wasn't. But what did I do? I, I, I stayed in that place of put your hope in God, put your hope in God, put your hope in God. There was not a moment actually when I received my breakthrough, okay? Well, actually, let me rephrase that. There was a moment, but it was every time I confessed, I put my hope in you, even though I didn't feel anything. And that, and, and that was released. I actually don't know, like, if there was a moment, right? And then God got me through it. I remember after that season, like, I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that if I did not give up, God would always come through with me. That he would always give me the strength to continue and to be faithful. With that said, um, I feel very strongly from the Lord that there are people in this room that struggle with, uh, number one, depression, number two, anxiety, okay? Now, when I say anxiety, it's one thing, uh, it's one thing to be stressed out here and there. What I'm talking about is, like, you feel anxious, and it's, like, a problem, okay? Um, I just want us to pray for you today, okay? So, I should do this. Can we all stand, actually? If I could ask us to, uh, just to help the people who this applies to, just to help them a little bit in the beginning, to, for us to close our eyes. I know this is a, it's not easy. It's not easy to, to admit this or to even let people know that you may struggle with something like this. First Peter 5 says this, that you would cast all your worries and cares upon him because he cares for you. But the thing people miss is that right before that, in that passage, it talks about how there's a need to humble ourselves. And a lot of times, humbling yourself just simply means recognizing that you need help and understanding that only, that our true help can only come from God. And so right now, I'm going to just invite, if anyone is like, yeah, that's me. I, I struggle with anxiety. I think I might be depressed. Do not be ashamed. I, I promise you, please do not be ashamed. You are loved by God, okay? And you are loved by us. And I love what, what uh, Nick did at the end with the whole community and us praying. You're loved by us. No one will judge you in this room. I promise you, okay? But take that step and let's see what God does, okay? So if that's you... You struggle with anxiety or you think I might be depressed and I just, and I just, uh, I need God's help. I'm just going to invite you guys with every eye closed right now, okay? I'm just going to invite you. If that's you, can you please come to the front so we can pray for you?